discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Take your seats in heavenly places. Ask your neighbor you at all. Oh, ask your neighbor you at all. Are you glad to be in the house of God at all? Hallelujah. If there's any question on your heart that is bothering you, that you want answers to, the Holy Spirit is here to answer your question. You know, we call it ask the author because the Holy Spirit is the author behind the word of God. And we believe that he's here to answer your question. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Hmm? It's given by who? All scripture. So all the, the word of God cannot be understood without the Holy Spirit. And the word of God cannot be understood with your mind. Now, in Acts chapter 8, if you read from verse 29, you see the story concerning Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I believe that the Ethiopian eunuch was more educated than Philip. That's my personal belief. It's not in the Bible, but... I think it, it should be so. Because the Ethiopian Enoch was the Enoch of Candace, who was the queen of Ethiopia. Now, you can't be an illiterate and be the queen's chief Enoch. No. Hallelujah. You must have a PhD, something very high. It, what do you think? Uh-huh. But he was reading the Bible. He was reading the book of Isaiah. And could not understand it. So he said, Whom speaketh the writer of? Speaketh he, he of, of himself or of another man? You see. Look at this. Says, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Next verse, verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you are reading? The Ethiopian said that, listen, how can I, how can I accept some man? Hey, some man, say some man. Some man. Some man. Hallelujah. You need a man to guide you. Yeah, when we went to the, when we were in the Liverpool church, I shared concerning Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15. How God said that, and I'll give you pastors according to my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So pastors are to feed you with knowledge and understanding. <laughs> Meaning that, as they share the word of God, understanding comes to you. Is it not powerful? 
Yeah, it's a very serious ministry. I think you should get that message and listen to it to really help you. You know, so he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And the Bible says that from the same scripture that he was reading that was struggling with, Philip began to explain things concerning Jesus Christ from that same place. So the guy was putting two and two together, but it wasn't working. I seeing it. Yeah. Kenyon wrote a book called The Bible in the Eyes of the New Creation. He has a book like that. Yeah. You need you need some eyes to see. Proper, proper. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or else you misinterpret things and you find yourself in trouble. Okay? So all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. By the inspiration of God. And hence it cannot be understood without God. Okay? In Jesus' name. That is why we call it Ask the Author. So that um, we believe, I believe that I'm working with the Holy Spirit. I don't just come and stand here. I believe I'm working with the Holy Spirit. I talk to God before I come. So I know that as I'm talking to you, that is why when you ask a question, you see that as I'm standing here, I don't have any scriptures in my mind. But as I'm standing when you ask, you realize that the, the scriptures will start coming. Amazingly. So the Holy Spirit is here to answer all your questions. Hallelujah. So if there's any question bothering you, if there's anything that you want to ask about, you are at liberty to ask. In Jesus' name. Our brother's hand is up. Thank you, Daddy. Welcome. Daddy, please, I was reading Mighty 5, 3, and I didn't understand the poor in spirit, and I want you to... The poor in spirit. All right. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Hey! People have used the scripture to do a lot of bad things to the church. They've said that the church people should not be rich because we must be poor in spirit. For this is the kingdom of heaven. It's good he said poor in spirit, not poor in the flesh. Hallelujah. To be poor in the spirit means to be ready to release at any time what you have for the Lord. To be, to be ready to give at any time. So you can control a lot of wealth, but then you are ready to release it whenever the Lord needs what you, want, you have. That's what it means to be poor in the spirit. It says, for this is the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Paul said in Philippians chapter, chapter 3, verse 4. Look at Philippians 3, verse 4. Go down to verse 6 so that we don't read too much. Concerning you persecute the church, touching righteousness, which is of the Lord, blameless. Next verse. Then he says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Let's read from verse 4 so that we understand what he had. Okay? And what he counted a loss for the knowledge of Christ. Let's read from verse 1. Is it a message? It's a message, isn't it? Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, it's not grievous, but for you it is safe. Verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of dogs is in the Bible. Why, why are dogs found? If we say beware of dogs, what is he talking about? He's talking about you being aware of the dogs walking outside. You are, he's talking about the dogs inside in the house. Beware of the dogs in this house. Hallelujah. Now, that shows you that it's a serious message. There are, there are dogs inside the church. There are brethren who are dogs. Do you understand? Who will bite you and destroy your life. 
So beware. <laughs> beware of evil workers. Beware of the concession. So all, it's, it's only one category. Be, beware of these people. Next verse. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Have you seen it? That's what it means to be poor in the spirit. To have no confidence in the flesh. Next verse. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Why? It says, if any man thinketh that he has, whereof he, ha- he might trust in the flesh, I am more. If you think you have things, that will make you think that you can trust in the flesh. I have wilder things than you. Like, if you think you are rich, if you think you are of a very precious family tree. Hmm? Some people live according to their family tree. Or you think you... I don't know, you have so much money or something. It says, I'm more. Next verse, verse 5. I was circumcised the eighth day. In other words, I'm closer to God than everybody. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, I was a Pharisee. The Pharisees are the highest sect when it comes to knowledge concerning the law and implementation of the law okay concerning zeal if you think you are zealous concerning anything i was more i was persecuting the church touching the righteousness which is in the law i was blameless or i am blameless now do you know the righteousness of the law the righteousness of the law says that if you falter in one aspect of the 610 laws you have faulted in all Paul said, when it comes to the righteousness of the Lord, me, I was blameless. Yes, I was blameless. I, I was a Jew of Jews. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was wilder than you can ever think about. Next verse. Then it says, but what things were gained to me? What things were gained to me? What things were things to hold on to? Okay. Those I counted loss for Christ. Hallelujah. This is what it means to be poor in the spirit. Next verse. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but cow poopoo. Dung. That I may win Christ. Are you getting it? So to be poor in the spirit... You have everything, but whatever the Lord wants from you, you are ready. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have any physical thing. You can have physical things. But if God lays his hands on it and says, I want this, you just release it. Abraham was poor in spirit. When God asked him for what he loved most, give me your son, your, your only son, your son whom you love. That's how God described it. Your son whom you love. He didn't, consider, he didn't consider it twice. He didn't discuss it with his wife. No, no, no. He just released the boy. Now, if you've noticed, when they came back, after some time, Sarah was not mentioned again in the Bible. Because <laughs> Sarah was fighting him. Next verse. And we found him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. Hallelujah. So, in Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what 
hast thou that thou dost not receive? Isn't it? Says, what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you received it, why do you glory as if you did not receive it? Whatever you have, you receive from God. Are you getting it? So if God is requesting for it, then you should give it to him. So to be poor in spirit as a, as a child of God is to be able to release whatever God wants from you at any point in time without thinking twice. Because you have faith and believe that whatever you have, you receive of God. And if God requests for it, you give it back to him. So it's not every Christian who is poor in spirit. It's not every Christian who is poor in spirit. Some Christians are, should I say rich in spirit? It wouldn't be a good... It wouldn't be a good statement. Yeah, because to be rich in spirit is good. They are stingy. Like, do, do I say stingy? They are wicked people, basically. <laughs> yeah, they are wicked people, basically. Hmm. One pastor went to church. Yeah, an associate pastor. And his senior pastor was preaching about giving. As he was preaching, that's what God spoke to him and told him. Give me your house. Give me your house. Now, probably you say that's an evil spirit. Because he had only one house. And he responded to God. And gave the house. With everything inside the house. He didn't take anything. So he bought a mattress. That same day he gave it to That same day he gave it. He bought a mattress that same day. On a Sunday afternoon. Bought a mattress. And told his wife that we have given our house. So they gave the house keys to church. And found a place to sleep for the night. Later on he rented something. And then they went to stay inside. That's a man who is poor in spirit. Are you surprised? You are shocked. Yeah. That is why God can give him everything. Because God trusts him. When he asks for it, he releases it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Are you surprised? One man of God said that he had a very serious stomach problem. It couldn't, it just, it just wasn't going. So someone came to visit him, and as we were talking, the Holy Spirit told him, Give him your newest car. It was a Mercedes Benz S Class. That's the one of the highest classes they have, S-class. Very nice car, black, black on black, black interior, leather, Every, everywhere is leather. And then the car itself is black. Nice. God told him, give the car to him. He didn't say, ah, but I just bought this car. I've not even driven it twice. He released it and gave the car. He says, as the guy was driving the car away, the stomach ache was going away. When the guy drove it out of his sight, that was the end of the stomach pain till the date he was talking about it. And he had been more than 20 years. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> so it's actually a very big statement. Very, very big statement. Very, 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 very big statement. You are ready to release. Oh. You are not attached to whatever you own. You are ready to release. 
You can have a Rolex on, right? It's for God. I mean, everything about you and for you is for God. You know the first guy I spoke about? Let me share a story with you. One man, child of God, he built a house, very nice house, three-bedroom house, and was going to live in it. He was living in a rented apartment. He was going to live in that house. Now, this is someone I know personally. He was going to live in that house. Just when he finished building the house and was planning, putting things in place to move into the house, God spoke to him and told him, give the house to this man of God. Now, the man of God, the day the guy called that man of God, the man of God had come out from the house he was in with all of his things, not knowing where he was going to go. So he was standing outside that house on the road with all his things, not knowing where he was going to go. Then he received a call from this man saying that, I have built a new house at this place. I want you to, it's yours. Please come for the key and go and live inside. God is telling me to give it to you. Now that guy was living in a rented house. He that he has built, he was living in a rented house with his family members, with his family, his wife and two kids. This was their life. They are they've built, bought the land, suffered and built. Now God says, give it. I mean, you will say it's an evil spirit. You will say this is an evil spirit. This is a familiar spirit. This is a demon. This is a spirit of Magadaba, something. You give it a name. I have a sound. You start confessing. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. And he, so he released it. He gave it to him. Now, it's been, this was 2009. This is 10 years. 10 years later, he has, he has built not less than 50 houses within a period of 10 years. God has given him the ability to build not less than 50 houses. He has bought not less than 100 cars. I, I'm talking about someone I know personally. I'm not joking with you. I, I speak the truth. I line up my conscience bearing me witness also. In the last I heard, he has, he has had a contract that uh, will, will make him a billionaire in dollars. In this country, I'm not joking with you. In this country. In dollars, yes. In dollars. The contract is doing, he will be a billionaire after he's done with the contract. Too much money. Too much money. No, there's nothing he can't buy. And guess what? He has been building for men of God, plenty of men of God. Out of the 50 houses, he has given so many to men of God. Recently, I heard him say that he had bought a land for somebody, one, a man of God in Accra, in a particular, a choice place, and had given him the building plans to choose whatever he wants. He's going to build it for him. And then he will come and live inside. He's not a fool. He has a list of men of God he's giving cars to. I know at least he has given 10 land cruises to men of God around him in the city. A minimum of 10. That's land cruises. There are other cars that he has given that are not land cruises to men of God and different people. It's called poor in spirit. He's not a fool. <laughs> are you surprised? You are shocked. So, since for this is the kingdom of, of what? Of God, right? Yeah. They will possess the kingdom. They will possess the kingdom. Go back to that place. Matthew 5, right? He said, kingdom of heaven, not God or God. I, I want that to be certain. For this is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you must remember that the kingdom of heaven is actually on the earth. Okay? 
the kingdom of heaven is a subset of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven includes men only. The kingdom of God includes men, angels, four living creatures, all kinds of things. Do you get it? So the kingdom of God is the bigger set, and the kingdom of heaven is a smaller subset. The kingdom of heaven was started or began by Jesus when he came on earth. So Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven and opened the kingdom of heaven by his death, burial, and resurrection. Do you understand? You become a part of the kingdom of God as a human being through joining the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Uh-huh. So he's saying that these guys shall possess, the, for this is the kingdom of heaven. They shall possess the kingdom of heaven. The way to possess the kingdom of heaven here on earth and dominate here on earth is by being poor in spirit. Be ready to release. Be ready to let go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope I've answered you. I've answered you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Benihin said, God brought uh, my wife. Do you remember the story? Benihin's story. The one he said on the TV that he God told him to give somebody some money and be consistent with it. A certain man. His pastor to give him. Oh, do you remember the story? You can't remember. Yeah, and God told him not from the church coffers, from his personal money. Because as a pastor, you may be giving from the church coffers and not from your own personal uh, pocket. And God told him, do it. And he had a debt of so much, some huge amount. Someone just called him with one call and cleared the debt because he had done something for somebody. Yes, huge amount of money. I'm talking about millions of dollars. So just cleared with a call. I didn't know that people can give millions. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that that thing existed until I started hearing some of these testimonies. I'm like, wow, these things exist. This man, uh, John Hagee, was, I was watching John Hagee some time ago. He's not someone I follow or anything, but every now and then God will just let you see something about a man of God here and there. Yeah? So I was watching TV, and he was when he was preaching. He was talking about money. He said he needed a million dollars to do something. I think he needed three million dollars to do something. You know, in the house of God. To build a house for God. And he didn't know how he was going to get the money. He knows that the church cannot produce that kind of money. So he was praying. He asked his mother what to do. The mother said, just pray and tell God about it. God will do it. As he was talking to God, God told him to release some cash to somebody. I mean, you need cash. God says, release cash. That's how it is. So he released the cash to somebody. I think $10,000 or so. He gave it to somebody that God was leading him to give to. He said he was there when a certain man called him and said that, I don't like you. I hate you. I hate your ministry. But I like some of the things you said recently. So I want to give you one million dollars. I just want to give you one million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, he said I hate you. I don't like you. I don't like listening to you. You're always talking about all kinds of things and I don't like those things. But I I just feel like giving you a million dollars. So he said, okay, no problem. He didn't know him. He hadn't met him before. He said, okay. And the guy signed. So the following day, the guy signed the check and sent it to their church. So he opened the check. It was one million dollars. Then he called the guy's bankers and mentioned the guy's name. That Oh, do you know this person? Is his check good enough? He's giving us a check. Will it be good? Is it going to really happen? 
Then they said, oh, that man is a very rich man. You don't know. You don't know him. They asked, oh, don't you know him? They said, no, I don't know. He said, that man is a very, very rich man. How much did he give you? One million dollars. Oh, it is good. It will clear. He has more than that in his account. And it cleared. Now, remember, he needed three million dollars, isn't it? So, the next Sunday, he was in church talking. And the man, had, he didn't meet the man the first time. The man had come there. And he said, oh, if you are being led to sow a seed, whatever. He gave a testimony concerning the one million dollars. John, he gave a testimony concerning the $1 million, how God had brought $1 million, but it's still not finished. It's actually $3 million that they need. So if you are being led by God to do anything, you can come to the front and come and do whatever. So he walked to the front. <laughs> and then said that, oh, actually God led him. He's the one who gave the $1 million. But actually God told him to give $3 million. So he's brought the $2 million to the church. Hey! What a shock! And that was how he had three million dollars to do what he needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not I'm talking I'm talking about dollars, not cities. Dollars. Yeah. So there's nothing God can do. Just be ready to release. Sometimes what is in your hand, okay, is preventing you from receiving what you're supposed to receive. If you release what is in your hand, you will get more. You have filled your hands with small things. God needs you to release it so that he can give you bigger things. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Any other question? Ask your neighbor, are you poor in spirit? Will you respond when God talks to you? Will you say it is an evil spirit? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, How are you? Please, please, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I have two questions. Um, the first one is from Luke chapter 8, verse 15, the parable of the sower. It's, it's good. It seems you guys are reading the Bible. The way your questions are coming from, like, Scripture. Luke, this one. Matthew, this one. It's powerful. It's like a clap for yourself. You are reading the Bible. Don't clap if you are not, you are not reading the Bible. Yes. So... So Jesus talked about the, the good ground. Yeah. But that's on the good grounds are they the which ground, which an honest and good heart. Those the, are they which in an honest and good, good heart. Good heart. I haven't having heard, heard the word, okay. keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Yes, okay. So those who keep it, my understanding is that you meditating on it for it to show fruit. And then patience, you so, um, but I want to know how I can receive the word in honest and good hearts. Um, that on the good ground, they which, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, to understand it, you, you know, they are, this is Luke's report. Matthew also has a report on the same thing. So, if you look at Matthew's own, you understand in Matthew chapter 13. From verse 18, he talks about it. But then I think uh, the, this good ground is in verse 21, I think. Go there, Matthew 13, 20. Okay, it starts from 18, okay? Then he goes on. Go, go down, please. Go to the good ground. There's something remarkable he says here. That will help you balance yourself out for the other side, okay? Okay, so this, this is Matthew's record, okay? Or Matthew's record, hallelujah. <laughs> Mercy. But he that receives it into the good ground is he that, number one, heareth the word. 
So good and honest is what? The other side is what? Honest and what? A good heart. So he's, this one will explain it to you. So go back. Is he that hear the word and understandeth it? So to understand is what it means to have an honest and a good heart. <laughs> because the first guy who did not produce fruit, verse 18, go to verse 18, Matthew 13, 18. Hear ye therefore the power of the sower, verse 19. When anyone hear the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, have you seen it? He understandeth it not. How come he didn't understand? Because he was not paying attention. He didn't hear it. He didn't hear it. Go up. So he says, for, this, is, this is Jesus talking. Go up, go up to verse 12. The disciples asked him, why do you speak to the, why do you keep speaking to these people in parables? Why? Go, go up, go up. Okay, verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Why? Why can't you just speak plainly? Why are you talking in parables? Next verse. Then he gave the reason. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Why is it not given to them? Ah, I thought we were all there and we were preaching. So why is it that we get to understand, but they don't get to understand? Next verse. For whosoever has to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away, even that he has. Ah, why? Next verse. So Jesus is explaining some more. Therefore speak unto them in parables, because they see, see not. And hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. So how do you understand? You understand by seeing and hearing. Isn't it? Someone can be in the service and is not seeing. And that's what I mean. As he's sitting here, his mind is somewhere. And so he cannot hear what we are saying. And therefore he cannot understand. And if you don't understand, you will not produce fruits. That's the truth. Next verse. He will show you. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Which said, by hearing ye shall hear. And shall not understand. You are not an honest, you don't have an honest and a good heart. He says, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. Next verse. For this people's heart is waxed gross. What does it mean to, for your heart to be waxed gross? Amplified. It says, dull of hearing. Hmm? Amplified. For this nation's heart has grown gross. Their heart has become fat and dull. And their ears are heavy and difficult of hearing. So the preacher is preaching, we have heard these things. You are fighting, instead of receiving the, what is being said, you are fighting, you are debating, you are f- contemplating, questioning, saying things. Who do they think they are? All these things that we have heard it before. I heard it in 1995. They are saying it in 2019 again. He's not even explaining the scripture. Well, you will not be quiet and have an interest in what is being said. Like there's no interest in what is being said. Do you get it? So even though we are here, your mind is traveling. Your mind is traveling. Or you are sleeping even. Your eyes are open but your mind is asleep. No, I also hear the word of God. I also sit and listen to the word of God. And I know what happens when you are hearing the word of God. I know it. Just like what happens to you sometimes. This is, they see. So even though they are watching, they cannot see beyond what is being said. Okay? Uh-huh. And they cannot hear beyond what is being said. For instance... There's something called understanding. That is very, it's very, very important. Understanding is very important. Remember, I mentioned how that God has sent pastors to feed you. Remember, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. And I'll give you pastors according to my own heart, who shall feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Now, what does it mean to feed someone with understanding? 
Can I show it to you? Okay. Luke chapter 24. Let's read from 41. Okay, 41. This is a story concerning Jesus after he had resurrected from the dead. If you read from up, you see that it was the day he rose from the dead. Okay? Now, that day, so this is the evening of that day. Okay? The disciples were wondering because they had had a testimony from Mary, first of all, that she had seen Jesus. You remember Mary? Yeah, she had seen Jesus. Then they heard a testimony of the two who were on their way to Emmaus. Okay? And Jesus walked with them, showed himself to them, and they came back to Jerusalem. So the disciples were together, and these people were there as well. While they were talking and doubting in themselves and all those things, Jesus appeared amongst them. Okay? And while they yet believed not for joy, so this is the next verse, while they yet believed not for joy of seeing Jesus Christ, and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? Do you have any food here? Then he said, Yes, we have some. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he ate it in front of them. Next verse. And he took it and did it before them. Just to show them that he's not a ghost. Because all the one when Jesus was talking about his death, burial, and resurrection, they thought that he was saying twinkle, twinkle, little stars. They couldn't understand what he was saying. They couldn't understand what he was saying. The disciples did not have understanding concerning Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't, even though they saw all the things playing before them, they didn't believe it. They couldn't understand and hence could not believe so it was happening right before their eyes. Next verse. And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. <laughs> Next verse. Read this one to me. One to go. You see what he did for them? He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus open the understanding? Can I show you how he opened the understanding? John chapter 20. Verse 20. John 20. And when he had said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Now this is the same meeting. John is reporting it this way. Luke reported it the other way. So you piece the pieces together. Okay? As you read. When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Next verse. Then said Jesus to them. So John did not talk about how they gave him food to eat. But the other side did. Then said Jesus to them, again, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. Next verse. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, this is not their new birth. This is not the new birth. The new birth is in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, new birth and receiving of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit and all that. It's in Acts chapter 2. So what was Jesus doing here? He was opening their understanding. You open people's understanding by breathing on them the spirit. Now, how do we breathe on you the spirit? We breathe on you the spirit through the word that we are speaking. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, it's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So as we are talking to you, talking, as we are talking, we are breathing and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. What are we doing? We are breathing upon you, the Holy Spirit, for the purposes of understanding. So if you are going to play with what is happening at that moment, you should know that you will never have understanding. So when you sleep, when you close your eyes, when you have your mind absent and all that, you will not receive understanding. That is why you can be in church. As you are sitting down in church, if you are really paying attention, you realize that as we are talking, something you could not understand for a very long time, all of a sudden opens up to you. It's called the spirit of revelation. That happens and occurs in the congregation as, as you are being spoken to. Acts chapter 10 verse 44. 
while Peter yet spake these words. While he was speaking the words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard. So if you are paying attention and hearing, you will have understanding. So to have a good and honest and a good heart means to have a heart to hear and listen attentively while the thing is being said. James 1.21 James 1.21 Look at James 1.21 Wherefore lay apart of witness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with what? Meekness. Meekness. What does it mean to be meek? Humble. Humility means don't argue with what we are saying. When you feel you are equal with what the person who is talking, that is when you argue. Yeah, when you feel, oh, what this person is saying, I know it. We know these things. Already. You can go to a service and just battle everything away because you feel that what the man is saying is something you have heard before. I know this, I know this, I know this. So you will just negate everything. The further understanding that could have come to you, you lose it. Because it is, it is in your mind, only you. You know. You are battling it in your mind. Questioning, arguing, asking questions, unnecessary questions. Instead of just paying attention and giving you attention to what is being done. That is when change comes. Without attention, you will not have Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1. Look at Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1. And he said unto me, son of man, stand upon thy feet and I will speak unto you. This is God talking to Ezekiel. Next verse. And the spirit entered me when he spake unto me. When he spake unto me, the spirit entered me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. So as you are hearing, the spirit is entering. If you will pay attention, the spirit will enter. And when the spirit enters, it will set you on your feet. He will set you on your feet to do what he said you should do. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Uh-huh. So, an honest and a good heart is a heart that is willing to hear and receive. Just receive what is being said without foolish, unnecessary questionings. A God-listening heart. Okay? That's what it means. And that is where understanding comes from. When you are listening and you are interested, understanding comes to you. Because the preacher has been given an ability from God to feed you with understanding. I didn't say it. This is in the Bible. They feed you with understanding there and then. How? By breathing on you the spirit. How do they breathe on you the spirit? As the word of God is coming, the spirit is flowing. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. So while we speak these words, the Holy Ghost falls. I don't know if you get it. Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit enters and sets you on your feet to have understanding. That's why we're listening to messages. As you are listening, you all of a sudden, listen, I can listen to a messenger eh? and I can make 75 decisions by listening to the message. Because light is just given to me. The entrance of thy word. Give it light. And give it understanding to the simple. So it is the entrance of the word. Now, for the word to enter, you must develop a heart that listens. That's all. That's all. I'm not coming to argue. I'm not coming to find out where that time is going or not. I don't want to be distracted. That is why we speak in times when the word of God is coming. So that we can ensure a good and correct heart to receive the word. That is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it's written, I have not seen nor ahead, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Next verse. But he has revealed them unto us. How? By his spirit. He has revealed them unto us. The things that are hidden concerning our lives has been revealed to us. How? 
by his spirit. Have you seen it? So it is only the Holy Spirit who can reveal the word of God to you. Or grant you understanding into the word. Are you seeing it? Now, how does he do it? Verse 12. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given unto us. We have received the Holy Spirit so that we might know. So the Holy Spirit is into getting you to know the things that are freely given unto you of God. Have you seen it? Look at the next verse. Which things also we, the preachers, speak. The things that have been given to us freely of the Spirit are spoken by us. Which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but in the words which the Holy Ghost teacheth. That is why we minister by the Spirit. We don't just talk to you. There are two types of ministers in the Bible. There are ministers of the letter and there are ministers of the Spirit. Now, God says that he has made us ministers of the Spirit. Now, as long as the minister is conscious of the Holy Spirit, he says he can make inscriptions on your heart. Not with ink, normal ink, but with the ink of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 3, from verse 2. Need we letters of commendation? Ye are epistle written in our hands, known and read of all men. Next verse, verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, you are the epistle of Christ, or the letters of Christ, ministered by us. The man of God has something to do with it. Ministered by us. Not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. We write with the spirit of the living God. The minister writes with the spirit of the living God. How? As he is talking, Holy Ghost is coming. And Holy Ghost is making inscriptions on your heart. So it's a ministry that we... It's a new, it's the New Testament ministry. Jump to verse 9. You know, Psalm 45 verse 1 says that my heart is indicting a good matter. You know, my mouth is a pen of a ready writer. So the preacher's mouth is a pen. The ink for writing is the Holy Spirit. Now, look at this. Verse 8. 2 Corinthians 3, 8. Let's read it in the Amplified. I'm showing you our ministry like a minister of when, when someone is a minister of God, what he's doing in your life. Remember, he feeds you with understanding. All you need to do is to come with a good and honest heart. What does it mean? To come with a hearing, a listening ear, not a doubting ear or a doubting heart or a debating heart. Receive with meekness, with the humility, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. He says, why should not the dispensation of the spirit? This spiritual ministry, whose task, okay, this is our ministry. Our task is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit. Two things. Our ministry is to cause men to obtain the Holy Spirit and to be governed by the Holy Spirit. That is our ministry. To make you obtain the Holy Spirit. Now, you have the Holy Spirit already, isn't it? Why is he saying our ministry is to help you obtain the Holy Spirit? There are many influences of the Spirit, many understandings from the Holy Spirit. Are you getting it? Uh That is our ministry. To cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit. So as we are speaking to you like this, always be conscious. Even if you are laughing and all that, no. That it is spirit ministration. Holy Spirit is moving and helping me to have understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you will definitely bear fruits. You will definitely bear fruits. Sometimes you'll be there, you are listening. That's why you have to open your ears to hear the word. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. Attend. Give attention to my words. Because if you are not giving, you can come for the service, but then your mind is not here. You are sleeping. You are only thinking about the jokes. You are looking at the lady who stood up and went to the bathroom. No, what are you here for? Do you get it? What are you here for? 
Yeah. Have you seen some before? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had that before? Yeah. Someone stood up and then your, your mind is taking. So you miss what was said. And then you come back, you're trying to... Charlie, 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 we're tired, we're tired. Ah, I'm tired. This preacher, when he starts preaching, he, doesn't, he never ends. What's all this? So you are talking. You are talking. Debating. Questioning. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you end up busy so much. I just wanted to add that with regard to, should I say, what you asked, who asked the question you did? Yes. Something just came to mind that just make sure that you are not doing a sort of Martha ministry because a lot of people do that. You just move around in the church. You do a lot of work, which is very good. You do a lot of physical movements and everything. When it comes to the word, a lot of people don't pay attention to it. You know, when it comes to the physical movement, they move. But then Jesus told Martha that, and you, you'll be saying that, oh, somebody's not doing it, I'm doing it, you know. It's a very good thing. It's very, very important. We're all supposed to work in the house of God. But always make sure that you also sit at the feet of the master to hear what he's saying. Because that is the most important thing. And that's what Jesus told Martha. He said that Mary has chosen the most important thing. You understand? So yes, you are doing work in church. Very, very important. It helps with the church growth and everything. But make sure that you spend time to hear what the master is saying. Because that is what will build you up. That is what will save your soul. So it's very, very important. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You have a question? Testimony. Okay. Give me a microphone. Hallelujah. Yes, so... um, about this subject, something I, I also experienced that I think will be helpful in your understanding the understand. Another problem too that can arise too is sometimes when the word of God is coming, you, you know it is the word of God, you understand it is the word of God, but you feel like for some reason, maybe either the preacher or the word of God doesn't understand your situation. Do you get the point? Yes, what he's saying is good, it's powerful, but it doesn't apply to my situation now. It is one of the most dangerous things ever. Okay, amazingly, in the scriptures, some people went to Jesus to tell him, there are people looking for you outside. That is the information that came, they are looking for you. Jesus' response was, except a grain of corn falls to the ground, and it, the response seems not to tally with what they came to talk about. But it was actually a very direct response to that information that came to him. So never come to the house of God feeling that maybe I have a financial problem. And that day the preacher is talking about soul winning. What is the connection? Okay, it's one of the good preachings. Today, it didn't address my... It is very dangerous. You, you, it will block you from receiving. And I have found that it, it, it is something that God has drawn my attention to, which has really blessed me. Whatever the preacher is saying... It's addressing your, you may not, you may think it is, it is, that is it. What he's saying is for that problem that you think you have. If you don't do that, you will go for years without any change. Okay? And you will realize it later that nothing different to be said. It's the same thing that will always be said. But you would have missed a lot. So what is said is for you. Jesus is not a, it is for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Powerful contribution. Yeah. So be smart. Tell everybody be smart. Be smart. Yes, you have more to add. Add more. Add more. Just, um, adding to what Pastor Prince just said, but 
In fact, coming to church and thinking like that is extremely dangerous. Because I was just wondering, it's like anytime you come, anytime you come to church with the heart that I'm coming to receive the word of God, no matter what is said, you receive it. No matter what is said, it has nothing to do with the topic that is being said. Because it's a spirit administration. Whatever it is, you'll be here, Pastor will be talking about soul winning, and you'll get an idea for a job or something. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Pastor always talks about how there are different classes, like there's class one, class two, class three. We are all in the same class right now. We are all listening to a lecture. But somehow everybody is addressed. That's how the Holy Spirit works. The, the, the house of God and the word of God is not like a human being's lecture. You understand? So anytime you come to church, come that you are coming to receive the word of God. It doesn't matter what you are going through. The word of God will always come. It doesn't have to have your specific topic. But as long as you are willing to hear. Because I was sitting outside, hey, I'm blessed every Sunday. I'm blessed every Wednesday. I always get something to write down. So that means it has to do with your mindset and the readiness of your heart to receive the word of God. No matter what is going on, you always receive a word of God, no matter what. So always come with a heart to receive from God. Otherwise, you will miss it. You'll be, you'll be coming to church every day, but then you'll not be growing. Then you're in trouble. Because I'm not really sure whether we'll talk about... I, I don't know what problem we are going, we are going through, but I, I have no idea. But it's a very dangerous position to be in. Do you understand? Always come with it. So that's a, a meek heart, like... You are ready to receive. You understand? A good, a good heart. Ready to receive. And God knows you more than you know yourself. You understand? Don't think you know more than, then you are in trouble. Then your, your heart has was gross. Yes, and though, yeah, because you think you know more than what the Holy Spirit has prepared for you today. Okay, so please don't try and get into that space. You'll be in a lot of trouble. Amen. That means that you have grown. More, you, have, you have overgrown the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's what it means. So try not to get there, to that place, okay? Yeah, it's a very dangerous place to be. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come from every village and town of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present with him. Let's read King James to be good. And the power of the Lord was present to heal, to heal them. The Pharisees, oh, the power of the Lord was there to heal the Pharisees. Ah, and he came to the that there were Pharisees and doctors of the Lord sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Heal them of what? Of, of what? Their blindness and their stupidity. Their hard hearts. What do you think the Pharisees, what was the position of the Pharisees with respect to Jesus? We know more than you. Which school did you go to? And I don't think Jesus was teaching with them in mind. He was teaching with his healing ministry and the people that the master had gathered in mind. But the power of God was present to heal those people. So the power of God is always present. No matter the topic, to heal. To heal, that's what I want you to heal you of your broken heartedness. Now, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it's a generic, big category for where everyone fits. 
But the anointing of God is always present for that purpose. Look for 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Whenever the gospel is coming, it is for the poor. No matter the subject, it is for the poor. Do you get it? He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. It's not just people who have uh, had a broken heart, like a boy breaking their heart or a girl breaking their heart. That's not what Jesus said. You think that was what Jesus is talking about? How can you just be talking about your broken hearted, your broken heart, like someone broke your heart? What has that got to do with anything? Your heart to be mended, isn't it? He's talking about people who have been disappointed in life, who have been broken by one issue or the other. They have given up. Disappointment. They've tried, it's failed. So many things. So they are broken-hearted, wounded. Why someone was not healed? Why this one died? Why did this one survive? When we're traveling, we watched a movie on the plane. A Christian movie. Is it breakthrough or something? Yeah. One small boy had a problem. He died, he died and came back to life. God healed him. He was perfect within 48 hours. The experience was so terrible that he should have died. But then within 48 hours, he was healed completely. You know, and another person had lost their husband and the boy had survived. So a class teacher asked him, why? Why are you so special? What is it about you? Because there are questions. You get it? Why did mine die and why did the other person survive? Questions. Why didn't God do it for this one? Because all of them are Christians. This one was was broken hearts. On various levels. Financial broken heartedness. Serious one, number one has broken hearts, like all kinds of things. You know, we shouldn't preach on that, or else our, we will be, all means that we have to find out what's going on in the congregation. Every time, when we come, we look, okay, so what's your problem? What's your problem? Okay, then this week, we are going to preach on this. We are in trouble. Creating, we will create more problems. But we wait on God, who cannot be seen, to give us instructions concerning what to teach. And if you notice, it always answers your questions. Always, because of this. You see, the anointing is there to heal broken hearts, to preach deliverance to the captives, people who are captive of various sins, various problems, various challenges. Every time the word of God is preached, the anointing is present for this purpose. Every time. Not certain times. Every time. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. There are so many who are bruised in life. Life has hurt them. Life has bruised them. Hey! Life has beaten them. Sometimes people wonder, what is the church there for? This is what the church is there for. This is what the church is there. These things and nobody can solve it. No human being can solve it. One evangelist was on TV. You know? And instead of... He doesn't grant uh, uh, interviews to people because of some of the foolish things they ask. But this time around, God led him to just grant the interview. But the interviewer was terrible. Asking about his money, how much money he makes every week. And as a preacher, is it okay for him to be making such monies? And all that. Like he was just focusing on money. As though the preacher is ripping people off. Then they opened, and the preacher was trying all over. Then the phone lines were opened for people to call and ask questions. The first person who called said, I have cancer. I'm going to die in 10 days. Can you please pray for me? The whole room changed. The studio changed. Because it was obvious that there are some things that no human being can do. Only God, working in some men, can do it. Pray for the person. The person got healed. Then the next person called. When they, when they heard that the guy was shouting at the back of the radio that I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. 
the next person called, please pray for me. Then it became a prayer meeting in the studio. So sometimes it's like, oh, the church, should, we, we should do social, whatever, we should try and help. That's not our job. Oh. Our job is to bring Holy Ghost. People are thirsty for Holy Ghost. They need the Holy Spirit. That is our job. To bring the Holy Spirit to people's lives. To heal broken hearts. To, to bring, to set at liberty them that are bruised. People are bruised in life. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's our job. Hallelujah. And every time we pick the microphone, every time we come for a service, that anointing is there to do all of that for everybody, irrespective of the topic. Makes no difference with the topic. It doesn't have to be a topic you like. And it doesn't have to be a topic you have never heard before. Do you get it? Like oh, this, we've had we've had faith before. You were a fool. You were a big fool. What? You were a big fool. Oh, we we had this one. Oh, he's going to use the scripture. He's going to use the scripture. Listen, can Hagen can Hagen preach faith? Okay, with the same stories, same scriptures for sixty years. Same message, same stories, same verses, same succession. Like this story comes after this story, and after this story, after this story. Jesus yeah, like said one day he was sitting in one of his meetings. After about 20 or 25 years of following Kenneth Hagen. And someone who was new was sitting by him. You know? And Kenneth Hagen was preaching. Then he will tell him, he's going to quote Mark 11, 23. Then he will quote Mark 11, 23. Then he will tell him, he's going to talk about a story where uh, he, got, he was driving and God spoke to him and this, 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 this. Then the man will start talking about it. Then he will talk about Then I said, ah, why? What's going on? Then he said, oh, he has been preaching the same thing for 25 years. That is why we keep coming. That's what Jerry said. That is why we keep coming. Because it has built us up. It's the same thing, oh, but the anointing that is following the thing. Can I again say, listen, when you, are, when you understand faith, I'll stop preaching it. And they never understood faith, so he's never stopped preaching it. <laughs> you should hear the testimonies of these people by sitting and hearing the same thing. It's always the same thing. It's always preaching the same thing. Brother, you don't know, you don't know how the anointing works. You don't know. Do you know why he was doing that? Do you know why he was doing that? Jesus, Jesus appeared to Can again eight times in his life. Before he died. Eight times. Charlie, we've not had half time before. Eight times. And one of the times Jesus appeared to him, Jesus told him that I quoted Luke 4.18 everywhere I went to. And that was my first message I preached everywhere I went to. This was the first message I preached everywhere I went to. I repeated that message everywhere I went to. And if the people believed, they were healed. This ministry was carried out in their lives. If they believed in what I said. If they didn't believe, I'll teach it again. And again. And again. So in Mark chapter 6, the Bible says that he could dare do no mighty works. Save to heal some few sick people. And he went about their villages teaching. Teaching what? That's what the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. If you are broken hearted, I brought healing for you. Yeah, repetition, eh? Onapo. Oh, it is onaporific. It is only children who think that. Listen, let me show you something. Acts chapter 17. It's something you must kill yourself of. And I've said it so many times. Okay? Acts 17. From verse 18. Acts 17, 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans, don't be a philosopher in your life, and of the Stoics encountered him, that's Paul, 
And some said, what will this babbler say? Other some, he seemed to be a setter forth of, a, of strange gods. Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Next verse. And they took him. So they took Paul. And brought him unto Europagus. Europagus was it's called, also called Mass's Hill. It was like a, a, a theater for debates. So like a church where people sit and just debate. They will hear what you have to say and then they will debunk all your things. They say, oh, we've debunked all that. Go away. Your story is not right. Your concept is not right. They put him there. Saying, may we know what this new doctrine, whereof thou speakest is. What this new doctrine. Don't be a chaser of new doctrine. Be a chaser of old doctrine. Uh, brother, sister, study. There's something called church history. People have lived before you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Be there. For thou bringest strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean. We want to hear you well. Next verse. Next verse verse is what I want you to see. It's in brackets, but that is the power punch of the verse. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. That was all their life. They wanted to hear new things and tell new things. Hear new things and tell new things. Hear new things and tell new things. Have you heard this one? Listen, revelation is meant to work on you and make you what it is talking about. Not to be communicated, not to be spoken. Revelation is not for the purpose of communication. Revelation is meant to work on you for you to become what it is saying. And it takes years for you to move from your head to your heart and make you what it is saying. You think Pastor Chris started preaching new life recently? Some people just heard it and started running. New creation, this one, this one, this one. It didn't do anything in their lives. It didn't do anything in their lives. Because they didn't stay to understand what was being said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Stay. Tell me about stay. stay. Understand. Stay for a long time. Why do you think Jesus had to be there for 30 years, not saying anything? 30 long years. He had to stay and understand. So that when it comes out, you survive. Don't be in a hurry to become anything. Understand the scriptures. Understand the message God has given to you. Yeah. Then let the message become the message and it will work in people's lives. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Have you learned anything since? You have another question? I had two questions. Continue, please. Uh, It's about asking God something according to his will. Uh, That you ask in the name of Jesus. You ask the Father in the name of Jesus. And um, recently we've been learning about faith. And um, Pastor Kobe was talking about the fact that after everything, you need patience too. So waiting on the Lord to see what you ask for, show forth. Uh Uh, And this morning too, I, I read Luke 18. When Jesus was talking about the, the widow and the judge who didn't fear God or regard any man, and he said in verse 7 that if a man did this, how much more God, why won't he grant, grant the things, the request, yeah. the request on the, to the Look people that Look cry day and night to him? So I, I want to know, after asking according to the will of God... You have to cry day and night. Like, hey, I, 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 I'm not getting it well. Like, should I keep quiet, not talk about it to him again? 
or day and night, I should keep on reminding him, like, Hallelujah. I think, um, I think we can read it. It says, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Hallelujah. So, if you remember, I told you that faith is a confirmation. The reason why you will get the edge to cry day and night unto him is because you don't have the confirmation. So, you should know when you receive the confirmation for whatever it is that you're asking for. And you should be sincere with yourself. If you feel you've not received the confirmation, you should go back and still work on the processes that we spoke about. Get the word, meditate, uh, speak it forth. Go over and over. So that can be your day and night until you get the confirmation. The Bible says that the one who believes will not make haste. When you get the confirmation, it will not come to you to cry to him again. Even though the thing has not appeared physically you will know deep down it's like the thing is settled it's, it, everybody around you can be worried but you will find yourself telling them to relax the thing has been handled do you understand so be sincere with yourself i i don't feel i have received this thing let me go back to the word of god let me go back to waiting on god let me go back to talking to god about it and learning and finding out more about it when you get a confirmation, you would not even be tempted to do this. Hallelujah. I don't know if I've answered it. Praise the Lord. Emphatically so. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Look at First Peter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him. For what? For he careth for you. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Let's read the Amplified. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving continue to make your wants known to God. Continue to make your wants known to God. Next verse. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of his salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with his heavy lot of whatever sort that is. That peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So until you have this peace mounting guard over your heart in Christ, don't stop. Do you get it? Uh-huh. Faith is hard work. Yes. Faith is what? Faith is not, it's not the easy way out. It has never been and it will never be. Faith is not the easy way out. Faith is hard work. Faith must be consistent. It's called the fight of faith. It's, a, it's our only fight as Christians. We don't fight with devils or demons. We cast devils out. But when it comes to faith, we fight. What do I mean by we fight? You hold on until you get your answer. There are battles that will come into your mind. There are battles that will come into your heart. But if you are in faith, you will not make haste. Do you understand? I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. A tried stone, a precious corner stone. A sure foundation. Then it says, he that believeth shall not make haste. 
If you believe in that sure foundation, you will not be in a hurry. No matter what's going on, you are in peace. I don't know if I'm making sense. The peace that passes on us, like the King James says, look at King James, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God shall, and this is the peace of God, which passes all understanding. People will not understand what you are. Why? It's like a thing has not changed, but you are, you are okay. He says, it shall keep your hearts. Because the battle is in your heart and in your mind. So it will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. Faith is not an easy way out, please. It's not. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded, this is where you should get to, be fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also to perform. He was fully persuaded. Do you understand fully persuaded? No matter what circumstance comes or who says what. Oh, this thing, it has happened already. God has done it. I don't care what I'm seeing. That's when you can start singing that song. I'm not moved by what I see. Hallelujah. I'm not moved by what I hear. Hallelujah. But I'm only moved by the word of God. Hallelujah. I'm only moved by the word of God. That's all. When you start trusting God, the situation gets worse. Why? Because the devil knows you are you are now on the track of getting your answer and getting your change. So he he brings battles to your mind, thoughts. Hey, this thing that you have been doing is it going to work? Hmm. We have done now; it's not worked. Listen, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. This is the same thing you need. Unshaking, unmovable. Faith, eh? You know, be joke. Strong faith. You have a, you have a follow up. Okay. Be fully persuaded. Tell me about be fully persuaded. Do you understand fully persuaded? There's no room for, for improvement. You are fully persuaded. Nobody and nothing can change your mind about it. You understand? Uh-huh. You trust God. It's going to be done. And it's done. Yes. Thank you, Daddy. Um, okay. Uh, during the month of faith, the first message you preached, um, you said if, let's say, you want something, let's say, you want a fridge, right? And you kneel down and you're like, oh, um, Father, I asked for a fridge. Thank you, Father, for this fridge. Immediately you stand up. In Mark eleven twenty three it says, 24. Have, and 24, you have received yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So he didn't say you have. He says that you shall. If you, whatsoever you desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Eleven twenty four. So we can see it. Okay. Therefore, I say unto you, what things ever you desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have you them. Shall have them. All right. So you are saying you have to. The, the, uh, the judge and the woman, right? So, you have to come and pray again that if, if you realize that you didn't have faith at that time like that, you have to come back and come and pray that, Father, I need a faith. Emphatically, or... yes. Wow. Emphatically, yes. Emphatically, yes. So, 
until you have that confidence, assurance, and rest within you that you have it. The thing may not show forth physically, but then there'll be this internal witness within you that you have it, even though it's not showing for you to see. So until you work it out to get to that state of rest, even though the thing is not showing forth physically, you keep on till you get there. You must labor to enter into rest. You labor to enter Hebrews chapter 4. <laughs> eh? You labor before you enter into the rest. And the labor is, I stand up, I'm moving around. There are still doubts in my mind. It's even entering my heart. Now, there are doubts that comes to your mind, which means nothing. Because verse 23 says that, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, not in his mind, and shall not doubt where? In his heart. There's a difference between your mind and your heart. Now, if, if it has entered your heart, you really be unstable about it. If, there, if there's doubt in your heart, you really, you would know that this thing, Charlie, and you have to be honest with yourself. Or else the thing will keep prolonging. You have to be honest. You have to be an honest Christian. <laughs> be honest with yourself. Charlie, the thing I know you believe. Yes. Is there a question? Okay. Um, what we are talking about now is is that what Jesus was trying to imply in Matthew seventeen twenty one mm-hmm. when he was talking about this kind cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. Um, I don't know, but generally people, I think it is assumed that Jesus Christ was talking about the demonic power over here. But if you look at the context. Jesus was talking about their faith and unbelief. And when the disciples asked, he said, It is because, it of, is your because of your unbelief. And this kind, kind cannot come of unbelief does not go out but by faith. So it is not, it is not the, the demonic power. It is the unbelief. unbelief that they have to pray. And there are two references to it. One reference is in, with reference to faith. Unbelief. Which is the truth. The other reference okay, is to the demons as well. So both are true. Okay? Both are true. Because as a, you see, we are all children of God. How come you don't have the confidence to pray for the blind man, for the blind man's eyes to be opened? Why is that when we say pray for the blind? You don't want to. (laughs) Should I bring a blind man right now so I test? Do you see? Now, so how, how do you get the blind to see? And how do you get some wild demonic things to leave? By working on your unbelief some more. How do you work on your unbelief? Through fastings and prayers. Do you get it? So through fastings and prayers, you, be, you become a spiritual giant to be able to handle certain high... So sometimes you know that this case is too high for me. Like someone is standing by you with the sauce on his leg. Okay? They, they say if something does not happen in the next two days, the leg will be chopped off. Now, that's, you are being prompted to bring all your faith on board. Do you get it? And they brought the case to you. Now, how are you going to get that thing worked on? You now, as you are standing there, you realize that, Charlie. Charlie, 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 Charlie. Let's take it to another man of God. Oh, let's just chop the leg off. 
Do you get it? So for you to be confident, you need confidence to stand in God. But listen, whatever demon it is, must leave. Now, how do you get that confidence? Getting the word into you, getting yourself propped up in faith and in fastings, so that you become a, not because of that situation, you'll be a giant ready for any situation that comes. I don't know if I'm making sense. Uh-huh, yeah. And so that's why I'm saying it has a double reference. Now, we've always preached the first one that there are some demons that are only, can only live by prayer and fasting, which is not true. I don't know if I'm making sense. That is not true. It's not true. All demons will live by faith and by declaration. But there are demons that are higher on the platform. You now realize that this one, my faith is not there. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Like, you know, challenge, challenge, challenge. The person, the demonic, the demon possessed person is suspending the air. When you see it, fear will enter, you leave, isn't it? You will leave immediately. If you've not spent time with the Lord and built yourself up in faith, when you see the person, oh, there was a, there was a demon possessed person who could lift a whole piano, not organ, I'm talking about piano. The big one with one hand, a, a, a 10 year old girl, she could lift the piano like this, up like this, because she was demon possessed. Now, by the time she lifts the piano, you are afraid, you are running away because you think she's going to throw the thing at you. Isn't it? Now, what will cause you to have confidence to speak to that demon possessed in that particular situation? If you are not confident in the Lord, so it is, it is, it is with reference, it's, we are talking about your confidence in the Lord, your faith in the Lord. That no matter the situation, it can be handled. And it, you don't get there by eating bread and butter. It's the truth. It is the truth. You will get there through fastings and prayers and study of the word. Yeah. That is why people call it a price. A sacrifice. You need to pay, you need to pay the price of prayers and fasting. And that's, that's the truth. Okay? I've answered you. You have a question? A testimony, okay. Then you ask him. Okay. So before we came for the camp, I prayed about something. And then we were in church. We came to leaders meeting and God told me that I'll receive the answer as the word of God was coming. So you were preaching. And it had nothing to do with my, my uh, request. And then I, I, God told me the answer. Okay. So when I went home, that week we entered to the month of faith. I was battling with it. I was praying into it. And I had the answer, but it was like, you have to have patience. And I, 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 was, I wanted the answer to come as, like, yeah. No, so, no, no, no. Yeah. Nah. So the, as I was praying, I was crying. So I even told Elder Getty about it, that ah, there's some, this is what I'm praying about. But I know it, it will come, but I'm still crying about it. Then he, she comforted me, and then I went home. Then when I was praying, funny enough, when I was praying about it, the Holy Spirit said, call your people, talk to them. So I, I got the answer to the, uh, what I was battling with as I called one of my sheep and I was talking to amazingly. And the Holy Spirit said I, I was fulfilling scripture. He gave me two memory verses. Matthew chapter 9 verse 25 to 29 and Mark chapter 9 verse 23. So that the, blind, the two blind men followed Jesus and they believed that he could uh, heal them. And as they believed, they were healed. Then in Mark chapter 9, the guy who was possessed with a uh, Demons. Yes. There, there was a crowd with the Pharisees and they were arguing. So when Jesus came, 
And the man went to him that, oh, I want you I to save my yeah, son too. I want you to save my son. Mm -hmm. So the answer was that I'm arguing with myself. It's like when God wants to, God has given you the answer, you are arguing with yourself. So the man knew that God was going to save his son, but he was arguing with it that ah, this thing has been happening since his childhood. Are you going to heal my, is it going to happen? And the Pharisees were saying he can't, like there was this arguing in the crowd. So God was telling him that the man, he told the man, if you, he said, can you heal? And then Jesus who asked him a question that, what is the meaning of can I? So God was saying that it's like I've answered you, but you are still asking me in your prayer that can I? Like, it's, should I help your unbelief? And I said yes. And then as, he just gave me the answer. And since then, I've not even thought about it again. So it's as Pastor Kobe said, you have to go back to the process. Tell God that you don't believe what it's like. You don't you don't believe that what she said is really going to happen. It's delaying. And when you gave the uh, fourth dimension, I went to read it and it answered my question. I was, I was like, ah, so I was, I was really worrying about nothing. The question was in the book. The question was in the prayer. And I believe that now he can. So whenever you are feeling that you have to cry, it's also fulfilling scripture. It means that you don't believe. Go back to the word of God. Read it. Meditate. Yeah. I believe. Prayer. Help out my own belief. You can have these two at the same time. You can believe, but then you realize that you have unbelief. Uh, and Romak has a very nice preaching on it. I believe, help down my unbelief. Very nice. Yes, please. Pastor Seth, for the teaching. Um, when you're talking about the previous um, topic on coming to church and deliberately blocking out your mind from the word of God, for some time now I've been reading Hebrews 6 verse 4 where it talks about the, the state of apostasy. And uh, I would really love if you can emphasize that. Because it seems when we talk about the not paying attention, gifts after being born again, we don't talk about the extremes. The fact that if you told that particular line, it gets to a point where you fall away from the faith. And that's how I understand it. So I would really love if you could emphasize that and clarify that part for me. Because if you are coming to church and over time, it gets to a point, it becomes redundant. You don't really, you're not really blessed by it anymore. And I feel like Hebrews 6.4 talks about the extreme part of it. So if you can just clarify that for me, I'll be very grateful. God bless you. Oh, right. You must be blessed when you come to church. You have to. You must decide to be blessed. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if, if a church is becoming a normal thing for you, you have to pray about it. You have to pray and tell God to help you. And fast. God, help me. I, there's something wrong. Help me. <laughs> okay, so look at the scripture. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. So, categories. Number one, they were once enlightened. What does it mean to be enlightened? To be enlightened means to be brought into the light. It means that you responded to the gospel of light. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. And if, but if our gospel be hid, it is hidden to them. Okay? Look at that, please. Second Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel behave it is said to them that are lost in whom the god of this world next verse 4 has blinded the minds of them that believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of christ so the glorious gospel is light and when it comes it lightens the man so that's the first thing it says all those who have been enlightened okay john 1 1 in the beginning god created the, the god in the beginning was a word and the word was god and the word was 
was God. He was God in the beginning. To him were all things without him that was nothing made. In him was life. And that life is a light of men. That light lighteth every man that cometh into the world. It lighted them in a certain way. But then if you receive him, it lightens you some more. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. You remember? Okay. Go back to Hebrew chapter. So I just showed you that first category. Okay. And have tasted of the heavenly gifts. What is the heavenly gifts? Eternal life. Righteousness. The Holy Spirit. These are the three gifts. Three cardinal gifts that God gives to us. In the new birth. Eternal life. Romans 8, 28. Is it Romans 8, 28? Romans 6, 28. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, 6, 23 rather. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? It's eternal life. Through Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Lord. How is it? Go back to that place. So, if this is of the heavenly gift, it's heavenly, it's not of, it's not, it's not. and we're made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand partakers of the Holy Ghost? But the word partakers means communion of the Spirit. So, to have communion, fellowship, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion, or the partnership, the participation of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen. Okay? So, they be, in other words, these people have had fellowship with the Holy Spirit. They've been exposed to the ministry of the Spirit, okay, into their lives and everything. Next verse. Go back to that place. Am I helping you? Hebrews 6, verse 4. Next verse. And have tasted the good word of God. The good word of God is the summit of God's word. Okay? Um, sweeter than honey. More than a honeycomb. Thy word is sweeter than honey. More than the honeycomb. It's in the Psalms. I forgot what exactly. But the good word of God talks about the summit of God's word. Like the highest level of God's word. Okay. Then it says, and of the powers, the powers of the world to come. You've been exposed to the powers of the world to come. The next age. The power of the next age is revelation. It says, now we know in part, but then shall we know in full. Like you know in full, you know certain things. Like you've, you've come, for instance, in the next age, health is not something to be discussed because there will not be any sickness there. I don't forget it. Uh-huh. Now you have the power to heal. You've tasted of the powers of the world to come. That the guy has gone very high in the things of God. That's basically what he's talking about. These are people who have gone very high. Very, very high. A similar thing is written in Hebrews chapter 10. Same book. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Look at Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as the man of Psalms, but exhorting one another and so, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Next verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. The word knowledge is the Greek word epignosis. In other words, having high intimacy, okay, with the truth. Coming to the highest level with the truth. Epignosis means the knowledge where the knower and the known are united and hence produce results. In other words, you know how to produce results of the word of God. Like the guy has grown in the Lord to the point that he can produce 
results with the word. Okay? If, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remained no more sacrifice for sins. It is the truth. There remained no more sacrifice for sins. Next verse. Verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversary. So you become an adversary. Next verse. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Next verse. Of how much sorrow punishment, suppose ye. So this side explains the other side very well for you. Of how much sorrow punishment, suppose ye shall be thought worthy for those who have trodden underfoot the Son of God. Now this is the problem. You trod underfoot the Son of God after you have come to intimacy with the Son of God. And have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. Meaning that he has knowledge concerning the sanctification, sanctifying power of the blood. Okay? An unholy thing. Eh? And who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Eesh, the guy has had, he has had the Father, had the Son, had the Holy Ghost. You get it? Yeah. See, it's, it's, it's impossible. Eh? If he sins, he sins woefully after he has come to this knowledge of the truth. You can't restore him back to the truth. Hallelujah. And like I said, this is for mature people. Go, go back to the, the one in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 6. We're in verse 5, right? And I've tasted the good word of God and the past of the world to come. If they shall fall away. To renew them. How do they fall away? I showed you. Doing the spice of the spirit of grace. Counting the blood of the covenant wherewith it was made sanctified an unholy thing and insulting the Son of God. Now, you can insult the Son of God in your mind as a child of God now. Hmm? But we, we all know that you are a child. And God knows. Okay? The Lord knows. So He will mind you. Have you ever had that before? Oh, tell, say, say the truth and shame the devil. Sometimes some, a thought will come, just come into your mind. Oh, this thing is not true. But you should know that it's the devil talking to you. You just don't just accept it. That's all. You understand? But this group that he's talking about are those who have gone very high. They know everything. Seniors. <laughs> they are seniors in God. I don't think you are on that level yet. You are not yet. Are you yet a senior in the Lord? That is why you must always not consider yourself a senior in the Lord. It's a dangerous place to be. Hallelujah. Yeah, and it is true. Kwan Hagen had some experiences along that line. God said, they will not be restored. Yeah. Okay. But someone, of course, you can lose your salvation. If you renounce Christ, you get to the point where you renounce Christ. You will lose your salvation. Or you don't understand. That is why when Muslims catch Christians, they want them to renounce Christ. Huh. But it's two things. You believe and you confess. You get it. But if you, if you are confessing something you don't believe, it won't work. Yeah, so you can say with your mouth, but inside your heart, oh, this is poor. I know what's in my heart. Hallelujah. <laughs> these, these are things you shouldn't worry about as a as 
someone who's you are just growing the Lord. Don't get into those things like, hey, have I sinned against the Holy Spirit? You know, you can't commit that sin. You are not yet there to commit that sin. You were a child. You fall so many times. The Holy Spirit knows he's aware. Raise yourself up and continue in the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift up your hand. You too. I can't remember the scripture, but I believe there's a scripture that talks about how sin dulls your heart. And then if you continue to sin, I can't remember it, but if you remember. Hallelujah. Let's search. Maybe we'll find something along that line. But of course, sin does that to you, isn't it? Yeah. Sin has its own way. The Bible says that whosoever you yield yourselves men, uh, servants to, okay, his servants ye are, of sin unto unrighteousness, unto God, unto right, unto right. Uh-huh. Is it this one, James chapter 1? Not this one. Yeah. So basically, don't mess, but don't mess with sin. Don't say that, oh, I'm a child of God, I can just... I can be fornicating, I can be doing this, I can be doing that, everything will be fine. It's not true, brothers and sisters. You were a joke, you were a big fool. You don't know that you are limiting yourself, basically. And you don't know that you are putting yourself in a place where the devil can take advantage of you. If you work in darkness and walk in darkness, what do you think will happen? The Lord of the darkness is the one who will take over your life. And that is his plan for your life. Don't, if you mess up with him, you'll be surprised. The Bible says, do not give the enemy what? A foot space in your life. Why? Because he will take you for a mile or 100 miles or 1,000 miles and you will never come back. You'll be surprised. Have you found anything? Hebrews 3.13 Yeah, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through this. It's true. This is it. This is it. Be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You are hardened over time. Is the truth. Hallelujah. Yeah. And with time, that's the job of the devil. The job of the devil is to get you out as much as possible. Or to limit you as much as possible. Get you to the place where you will renounce Christ. Now, there was this woman. Let me share a story with you. There was this woman who was married to a pastor for 20 years. I think I've said it before. Ken Hagen saw. Now, it had happened. Okay? This is how the story started. Ken Hagen went to preach for this pastor. And after he had preached, they were sitting, he was going to spend the night in the pastor's house. So they were talking. As they were talking, the pastor's daughter said she was going to sleep. Then Ken Hagen said, oh, let's pray. No, the father said, let's pray before you go and sleep. So they all knelt down in the hall to pray. When they knelt down in the hall to pray, Ken Hagen was caught, caught up in the spirit. They finished the prayer. They went to sleep. Ken Hagen was there for so many hours. He didn't know what was happening around him. He was caught up in the spirit. And in the spirit, he saw this woman who happened to be the pastor's former wife. Okay? Sitting in front of a mirror, combing her hair. And as she was combing her hair, a demon came to stand behind her and said, Ah, you are so beautiful. What are you, why, are you, why are you spending all this beauty in the house of God for nothing? Married to this pastor who is not doing anything for you. Do something about it. Go back to what your lifestyle, your night, what you were doing before. You know, just go back to those things. Then she shook her head and said, no, 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 I can't do that. Another time, she was sitting in front of the mirror, combing her hair, looking at her beautiful face. 
And the demon came closer to see that same thing to her. And she said, no. Then the next time, the demon came to sit on her shoulder and whispered to her, let's do, go and go and do it. Persistently, like, you should do it. Then the lady accepted it. When the lady accepted it, the demon entered into her mind. Like that. Fast forward after some time. So she started messing up. She started messing up, messing up, messing up, messing up. And left the house. Someone was married to a pastor for 20 years. Was singing in the church for 20 years. Left the house. Started sleeping around. Doing all kinds of things. Singing in the nightclubs. Showing her bottoms and her breasts. Everybody sleeping with her son. But the husband was still not giving up on her. Praying for her. Pursuing her. Trying to get her back home. Help her and all that. One day, you know, all that time, the demon was in her mind. You know, it's called demonic obsession. Okay? Demonic obsession. There's demonic oppression, demonic obsession, and demonic possession. Demonic oppression has to do with the devil oppressing your body. That is why we can pray for a Christian and say, who is sick, and say, out! We are not commanding a demon to leave his spirit or her spirit. We are commanding the demon to leave their body. We are casting the demon out of the body. Not out of the spirit, please. Do you understand? Uh-huh. We cast demons out of the spirits of unbelievers, not believers. Because the demon cannot possess. He can oppress your body. And obsess your mind. Or so oppression, demonic oppression, okay, is for the body. Demonic obsession is for the mind. And demonic possession is for the spirit. I hope you understand. So the demon was oppressing her in her mind. She couldn't break it off. She was just moving and doing all kinds of things. So she went for like two years. Doing all kinds of things. One day the pastor was in his house. And the lady came to the house. To come and insult him. And tell him off finally. So she opened the, the, the preacher opened the door. She stood in front of the door and said. Take this your Jesus thing. I don't like Jesus anymore. I hate him. I don't like him anymore. You know, she had been oppressed to the point that she could say that and believe that. Can I even say, well, as soon as she said that, the demon moved from her mind straight to her spirit. That was the end. And that's the aim of the devil. If you mess up with the devil, you will find yourself in hell. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Your salvation cannot be taken away from you. That is the truth. Remember, John chapter 10, verse 26. Look at John 10, 26. It's like you're surprised. <gasps> it is true. That's the job of the devil. That's his aim in your life. He wants to push you to that place where you will renounce Christ. And you will believe it. And you will believe it. You will believe it. John chapter 10, verse 26, right? But he believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Next verse, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Next verse. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Amplified. Let's read the Amplified. You see it more. Amplified verse 28. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never lose it or perish throughout the ages. You think Jesus was lying? He was not lying. He was telling the truth. To all eternity they shall never by any means be destroyed. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. It is the truth. It is true. But the other side too is true. That if you give your life to the devil, 
Ah. Then you are no more the sheep of the Lord. You are listening to another voice. And if you are listening to another voice, what will happen to you? You become the sheep of that, that voice. So Pekenhagen came back out and narrated everything to the man. And the man said, that is my wife. That was my wife. All that you're seeing is my wife. I think there was a similar story that was being told me by um, one of our, our brethren in Liverpool. And um, she has um, ties with another church. That was, she used to be in another church. And she, she was telling me a story about a woman who used to prophesy, like very serious prophetess. She could prophesy to come to pass, like serious ministry of the spirit. And then when her child was writing SSE, and I, her child wasn't a good student, but she said that she prayed that the child should, <laughs> should pass, should get A's or something, and that, oh, my child would get A's. And then the child came with effing chains. So this man, woman apparently was so angry. It was, I think it was one of the most stupidest things I have ever heard. Your child is not learning, so why do you expect, you see, don't be familiar with God. You understand? She, she had, she had a, such a close relationship with God. She was, I think she was becoming familiar. To an extent that she was so angry with God about her child getting F's that she, she denounced God. She, be, she said she has become a Muslim. And then they said she, she, she actually said, take your gift. I don't like it. You know, like, it was so serious. When she was telling me, I was, okay, I was listening. And then she said that one day they were in the house. So she used to still come around to one of their family houses. And then a younger child in the house, even though her, the woman's children are born again, they speak in tongues and everything. And a younger child in the house came, came with um, communion. And it looked like she was, he was like, not, I won't say possessed, but he was just taken over by the Holy Spirit. The whole atmosphere in the house changed and he was shaking. And then he broke the bottle and he said, my blood will not speak for you anymore. Get out of this place. This is the house of God. And immediately she said that. It just hits me. It's like, this, thing, this is true. But I was just thinking about how stupid, you know, so she, she just, she knew God. She understood God. She had God. But then she was beginning to do despise to the things of God just because of something so stupid. Okay, she had taken God for granted. Yes, yes, yes. She had, and she had become a Muslim so much so she had gone wearing their things. So she, said she stopped going to church. It was, and I said, hey. Immediately she finished the story. I, I started having a headache. So I was like, you know, she just keep quiet. Then I realized that, in fact, we have to be very, don't despise the blood of, the things of God are very serious because for some reason we, we tend to have a tendency to just think, oh, God is cool, you know. You know, we just play around with the things of God. But, but God is, a, is very serious, you understand? Yes. So I just wanted to say, to add to that, that don't play with the things of God. Don't play with what he has done for us. Because a serious business is very, very serious. Okay, and you have to know this. That it is not a joke. It's different if you don't have understanding and you say something. But if you have come to know, don't play with it. That comes with, it's the fear of God. You understand? It's the spirit of the fear of God. You should know that, yes, God is love. God loves you. God has done everything. But don't joke with him. Don't joke with the things, the blood of Jesus, the, what God, Jesus sacrificed for us. Don't joke with it. 
you understand. And right now, you guys are receiving very high knowledge. Um, I must tell you, you are receiving a lot. So don't play with yourself. You are not, you are not a child. Yes, you've received a lot. Don't play with it. Otherwise, you 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 despise the things of God. Do you understand? Take it and and use it. To whom much is given, much is expected. There are people who haven't heard what we are hearing right now. So God is definitely expecting more from you from, than from the person who doesn't know. So don't play with it with your things. I can't have anything to eat. Oh, the pornography is nice. Like just playing around with it. Instead of sitting and receiving it and moving forward and doing what you are supposed to do. You understand? Yes, because God will ask you. Because we've given you all the things, all the tools, all the solutions. Like you know everything. But you have just decided that I won't receive it and move forward with it. Because I just like where I am. I'm comfortable. What is all this? You have to be very, very careful. You understand? Uh-huh. A word to the wise isn't enough. Pastor Kobe will have the last say. Oh God. There is a certain progression of it that God is leading me for us to um, be careful of. I think it's in Jude where he talks about people speaking evil of authorities. I've noticed sometimes that is where it starts from. Um, when the devil begins to draw you away, one of the first things that he cuts you off is the authority of the church over your life. You notice that you start feeling like nobody should tell me what to do. Nobody, you can, there are people, I've met people, um, various people who have a certain mindset like Jude chapter 1 verse 8. They feel like nobody is supposed to lead me to God in a certain sense. Nevertheless, in like manner, these dreamers also corrupt their bodies, scorn and reject authority. Likewise, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, hallelujah, and speak evil of dignities. So if you notice that you are getting to a point where it's like maybe your pastor is annoying you, leaders are annoying you, you can even get to a point where pastors in general, I don't know if you've met such people around. There are people, they say they are Christians, but when immediately you mention pastor, they will become offended. Like they don't want to hear anything concerning. They are, they've started the process. And very soon you notice that they get to a place where nobody can bring them back. Because I've noticed that um, the salvation you have in these things is the ability to run to a pastor or run to your pastor or run to your shepherd for the person to help you and bring you back. But when you get to the point where you cut down and to off and you don't have any head, you don't have anybody helping, you don't have anybody telling you what to do, then... There is no hope for you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Sometimes, um, you know, in order to help children of God stand up properly, we don't say these things, but they are in the Bible. It's true. They are there. And you need to be aware of them. Okay? Uh-huh. You know, one guy who the Lord was working with, and, you know, doing great things with, had a past. Sometimes some of you talk about your past and enjoy your past. Talk about your past as though it was very nice. And if someone has not had that past, he talks to the person as, oh, you didn't know anything. No, are you a Christian or you are something else? I don't know what you are. There's something wrong with you. 
you need to change your mind. Or else you, something bad will happen to you. So this guy used to sleep with prostitutes. Got to know the Lord. Stayed in the Lord. Became fine in the Lord. But the one day he was there and then he just, like Charlie, this thing, it's been a long time since I did summer. It's been 20 years since I did summer. It's been 10 years since I did summer. Let me do some. One pair. And it was coming to church. I thought that was coming to but he was rejecting it. Rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. The one day, he just passed through the brothel and went to satisfy himself. When he came out of the brothel, that was the, that was the end. That's why God departed from him. Everything departed from him. And for another 10 years, he, he, he didn't know what to do with himself. He had lost touch with God. He opens the Bible. He can't see anything. You know it's a, it's a blessing to see when you open the Bible. He couldn't see anything. He couldn't... Nothing. He lost everything. After 10 years, he saw someone driving, you know, and with a sticker behind the car. Jesus stole men's broken hearts. He followed the car throughout town. This in Lagos. He followed him throughout Lagos. Like, he wants to talk to the person. Is this thing true? Because it's not working in my life anymore. Then when the guy parked, the guy noticed that he was following him. So he parked. And then he also parked. And then he came out and was like, why are you following me? Then he told the story. Yeah. And a man prayed for him. Helped him. Then he reconnected with God once again. God is not a fool. Don't joke with God. Don't think that no matter what I do, God's answer is true. But it is not true. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Hmm? Hebrews chapter 12. Lest there be any evil fornicator like Esau. Huh? Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read from verse... Sometimes I don't want us to read too much. So let's just read from... So you are in church. We are talking to you. This, 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 this. Then you go. You go and do and come. You do your face like someone has people on your face. Then you go again like that. You keep going and coming, going and coming. One day you go, you not come back again. Let's read from verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness. It says follow what? Peace with all men and follow holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Have you seen it? Next verse. Holiness means to be made special, to be made different. What it means is that you have been set apart. What other people do. The famous thing around the sex. Everybody is having sex. Is it true? But you are holy. You have been set apart. So you don't, you are not of that lot. Okay? Looking diligently, it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. People fail of the grace of God. Looking what? Diligently. Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. When someone fails of the grace of God, he destroys a lot of people. Next verse. Next verse. Lest there be any fornicator or profane, profane person as Esau, who for one muscle of meat sold his birthright. Next verse. So some people are selling their birthright. Do you understand your birthright? What you have, the life of God, the Holy Spirit, your birthright, you are selling it for, for pleasure. Small pleasure, small ejaculation that you will have. <gasps> so you don't consider the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't consider what he's telling you. Nothing. Small ejaculation. Yeah, so it's like, oh, and that's flimsy as compared to what God is doing in your life. For you know how afterward, after he had sold his birthright, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance. 
He found no place of repentance. It is true. It works in people's lives. There is no place of repentance. For he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. You can lose it and that's the end. Or God can counsel what you could have become. And in heaven, you see, in heaven, eh? In heaven, this is, what, this is how our judgment to be. Your true self and what you were made to be will be on the right. And your current states in heaven, as you are there, will be on the left. Then they'll compare the two to see what you should have become and what you are now. And that, is, that is our judgment. This is what God designed. This is what the Holy Spirit had in mind for you. And this is what you ended up becoming. And I don't know, you see, sometimes we talk about the judgment, be my seat and all that. We don't know everything. There are things that are written in the Bible that we know. There are things that are covered that we don't know. We don't have to meddle in those things. They are there, but we don't know how it will be actually. We don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense. We don't know how it will be actually. We don't know. So there should be some fear in your heart. When you feel like your penis should enter somewhere, hold it and put it back there. Brother, you won't change my life. Be there. When you feel like scamming somebody, because you don't... Some people say, oh, I don't have money. So the, the, the sugar daddy, the pot belly sugar daddy, is the one who takes care of me. He's my sponsor. And she's a Christian. She's in the house of God. And she has a sponsor who is taking care of her. You have denied the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. That the Holy Spirit can help you become something. You need this man to help you. No more sugar, no more pot, no more belly. I beg. Do you understand? Yeah. Next verse. Look at verse 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched. And that burn with fire. He goes on and says, God is a consuming fire. Listen, don't, don't joke with God. Like, don't think that God is... And this is New Testament. Don't think that God, you, you can just... And that's in pa, Just like that. They were cut off, sharp. Sometimes you forget that those things exist in the house of God. They do. Be careful. Hallelujah. It looks, um, it looks, it's amazing that we are talking about this now. It looks like there's a season for everything. And when God begins to allow some things to be said, then that means that there's a season for it. You understand? Yes. So, um, I was just telling Pastor Kobe that I think the, the best thing you, you should want, because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And there's Holy Spirit in us. That's the seven spirits of God. It's a, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. It is one thing that you should desire to, should I say, take over you. Because it is wisdom. To have reverence for the things of God and to have reverence for the Lord. Okay. When you're a baby, you're a baby, of course. When you make mistakes, everybody helps you. But we are growing. And God needs God doesn't want to cast pearls before swines. A swine is somebody is a, is a pig. And when you cast pearl, um, you give the pig a pearl, he would trample over it. The things that we share here are pearls, are God's precious things. And he doesn't want us to just trample over them. Then you are you have become a swine. There are people, yes, I remember I, 
one work at work, I was talking to a young guy. He was he was arguing with me about pastors. Then the Holy Spirit said, "Stop talking. Don't cast spells before swine." You get it. So yes, God loves us, but God knows every single person. That's why He deals with us individually. You can't say that this person did it and he's fine. So I'm also going to do it. You are in trouble. You have to be very very careful. You have to be very very careful because God knows what you know. He knows what he has given you. So you can't say that um, David did it and was forgiven. Saul did it and lost it. He didn't, he didn't even know what David did. No, so God deals with people individually. And you can't say that, oh, this one was greater than why did it? You. No, because God knows what he has given each and everybody. He knows the understanding he has given each and everybody. And he knows the investment he has made. We are individuals. So don't compare yourself with somebody and say that this person did it too. Then you are in trouble. You will lose it. Do you understand? Like, and I'm repeating myself. We are giving you a lot of pills. So in fact, you people know a lot more than a lot of adults. So you are not kids. Do you understand? Yes. So you have a huge responsibility. And you have to learn how to stay focused on God and ask for his leading to go forward. Amen. Jesus name. Close your eyes. Thank God for this evening. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.